0: Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. Hello, friends and family, and thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Just a little update, we have some very special podcasts coming up. We're going to have some very special guests come on to talk about their lives and how God has done miraculous things through their journeys. We thank you again for tuning in. If you would like to give to this ministry and others, please text 44. 321 and follow the instructions. Also, make sure to give us a five-star rating, and as always, we hope to see you soon at the First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas.
1: God, we give you thanks for this day, this opportunity to worship. And as the rain has reminded us that you are the giver of all of life. And that you are with us to sustain us, to comfort us, sometimes even to prod us, to become the people you've called us to be in Christ. And so it is our prayer today that you speak to us and through us as to what our lives can look like if we give ourselves to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So the passage you just heard read was uh, Jesus talking about a a mustard seed uh, and also yeast. He would often take common everyday things to make a point and a teaching, and He did it so well. He talks about the mustard seed being the smallest seed that there is. Uh, I have one in this Ziploc bag. It's right down here. Can you see that? Yeah, neither can I. I have to get my reading glasses. It's, it's small, really small. In fact, I'm going to leave it right up here. So after the service, if you want to come see a mustard seed, it's in that Ziploc bag. But he said, uh, what is the kingdom of God like? And He said, it's like a mustard seed that someone planted in a garden, and it grew into this tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Then he talked about the yeast, just a little bit that is put inside the dough. You can't see it. You can't uh, determine what's happening inside, but it makes the whole thing grow. It just just planted. And I think of this church and the people who literally planted seeds where we are sitting today, who had the courage to come out and purchase property here and to build this wonderful church community. Uh, where did those seeds come from? Well, it came from the Holy Spirit. And I'd love to be able to go back and be in some of those meetings when the question came up, should we move the church or not? You know, that's a hard thing to do. That is a very hard thing to do, much less to see what it's become. <clears throat> you know, I I love seeing things move from an idea to an actual ministry that, that helps people. It's one of my favorite things of, of what I do. Uh, one of those is Round Rock Helpers. Anybody here ever work with the Round Rock Helpers? Yeah. So the Round Rock Helpers was brought to this church and community in 2017. One of our members named Fred moved from the Metroplex and had that ministry there. And it's essentially a group of people that gather on Friday, Friday mornings out here in our back parking lot and get their work assignments to go out in the community to help people uh, with their homes and repairs and things that are needed for for those that are not not able to do those. And it's staggering the number of people that have been served through this the past six years. Uh, By the end of 2022, they calculated nearly 10,000 hours of labor had been volunteered. Hundreds and hundreds of people have been helped, and it started with a single idea a single person and drone beyond the church and others now participate in this not just here and so as I'm thinking about our series we're talking about what does it mean to belong to believe and to become so belonging so we we believe that uh, that God created each one of us and that everyone belongs because we're children of God it's just a simple fact. If you are created, you were created by God and you are loved. And when God became one of us in Jesus Christ, he made his decision for you and for me. It was a yes. Before you and I were even created, God said yes to us in Christ. And so we believe that. And then if we believe that, what difference does it make in my life then? That's the becoming. So we believe we belong. Truly take that to heart. We believe that God is with us through the Holy Spirit, and then we become. And the Spirit actually helps us to become what God intended for us all along. Every one of us is becoming something. You're either becoming better or not. You are not this, and neither am I. No one is this. I'm either growing in Christ or I'm not. It's as simple as that. And so the seed is planted in each one of us, and we get to decide if we're going to say yes to that and become what God intended for us. And and I wanted to share a, a story today about a figure from history, one of the most influential people in the world, and especially uh, in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And I'm guessing most of you have never even heard of this person, which is staggering to me because... Truly, this was one of the most famous people of that time and most influential when it comes to an important topic we're going to talk about. So the name is William Wilberforce. Raise your hand if you know who that is. Okay, look around the room. It's okay, don't worry. You're in good company. If we were to go out on the streets, hardly anyone would be able to tell you who William Wilberforce was, but I'm going to tell you now, we're going to look at his life as uh, through the lens of belonging, believing, and becoming. So he was born in 1759 uh, in England. At age nine, his father passed away, and so his mom and grandfather decided that he should go live with his aunt and uncle. So at age nine, he was sent to his aunt and uncles to live. Uh, They were a wealthy family, and they thought they could take good care of him. They were also uh, religious. Now, in those days, uh, people, if they believed in God at all, it was just kind of this figure that was out there, but not a real presence in a person's life. A lot of people then, if they went to church, it was just for social reasons or political reasons. It wasn't because they were there to worship a living God. So that's the environment. Well, Wilberforce's aunt and uncle were the opposite. They were Methodists. Now, the Methodist movement had taken off in England. John Wesley, of course, you've heard his name before, began the movement. And it was essentially groups of people who actually believe the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, in our lives, and actually wants us to do things, especially about the injustices in the world. Especially in those days, the prisons were awful, and helping reform some of that. So his aunt and uncle took him to church, nine years old. And there he met a man named John Newton. How many of you have ever heard of John Newton? John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. How many have heard of Amazing Grace? The hymn? Yes. So Amazing Grace. John Newton was a slave trader, and he was converted to Christianity, and the idea that everyone's made in the image of God. And so he wrote Amazing Grace in response to his changed life. You know how the hymn goes that saved a what, a wretch like me? Well, John Newton was one of the traveling preachers, and the wealthy families would have what they call parlor preaching. They would actually hire preachers to come to their homes and preach to their friends in the parlor. And John Newton was invited to do that at Wilberforce's aunt and uncle's home. And he became a father figure for Wilberforce. Well, fast forward a little bit. Wilberforce's mom and grandfather find out that his aunt and uncle are Methodist and actually practicing Methodist. And they said, we can't have that. And so they brought him back home. They did not want him exposed to uh, this doctrine and this belief that that god is present with us so he was essentially brought back home and well he grew up teenage years kind of drifted away from what he had learned initially there through his aunt and uncle Uh, went on to cambridge so obviously a bright young man went to cambridge and it was there at cambridge that he began to think about being in politics and especially parliament so At the age of 20, two weeks after his 20th birthday, he was elected to Parliament, the fastest you could possibly be elected and the youngest, 20 years old in Parliament. And so in the 1770s, he would sit in and listen to these debates in Parliament. What was going on over here in the 1770s? Can you imagine being a fly on the wall and hearing those as they're talking about this guy, George Washington, what's his name, right? Right? over here. So sure enough, he actually becomes a member of parliament, becomes famous. At age 24, he traveled to France, and he met lots of famous people in France, including the U.S. ambassador to France at the time, Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin was 77 years old, Wilberforce was 24-year-old, and ironically, they shook hands as they met Benjamin Franklin, one of the lone voices speaking out against the slave trade over here, is shaking the hand of William Wilberforce, 24-year-old, who, as you will see later in our conversation, would help abolish it if he only knew in that moment. Well, he went on with his life and was still not particularly faithful as far as his Faith in Christ was just kind of like everyone else, just secular, and ended up taking a trip, a 1,200 mile trip in a carriage. And when they would take a long trip like that, they would be carefully select their traveling partner because it took a long time to travel. You, you ever, you ever vacation with friends? You know, the, the first time you vacation with friends, and you're like, I thought this was going to be a good idea. Anybody ever have that experience? So they were careful, and so he selected Isaac Milner. Isaac Milner was a professor at Cambridge, and he held the most prestigious position there at the school, a position that was held as well by Sir Isaac Newton, and most recently in our time, uh, Stephen Hawking. So this was a bright man he's writing with, and you can imagine the conversations. Well, Milner happened to be a Christian. And so as they were traveling, Wilberforce was so moved and changed by this experience that he actually for the first time believed in his heart that this was all true. And that God could actually do something through him in his life. Now you would think it'd be great, he's on cloud 9. Well, well he wasn't. He entered a period of depression because he couldn't reconcile this newfound belief and faith with being a member of parliament where it would be looked down upon to view God in that way. So what is he going to do? Well, enter John Newton again. Remember John, the parlor preacher? He reconnected with him and John Newton said, you might have been created for just this time and you need to stay in Parliament because you can influence things. And so he decided to stay in Parliament, and he'd made his decision. And in his diary, there's 20 words listed one day. He wrote 20 words that would change the course of the world, 20 words. And in those words, he believed that God Almighty wanted him to suppress the slave trade And in his words, the reformation of manners. Now, what does that mean? Manners. Did he want to make sure that everyone knew that the fork on the far left is used for salad? Am I right, by the way? (laughs) I I am not the guy to ask for that. Is that right? Is it the far left? Do you use that for the salad, smaller one? Yeah. That's not what he was, was talking about. He was talking about morality and culture. In those days, it was a bad, bad deal in society. You had child labor that was out of control. People, kids that we would see on a playground, you expect to see an elementary your playground, were working 10, 12-hour days in harsh conditions. Sexual trafficking was out of control. It's estimated that 25% of the females were trafficked with an average age of 16. Think about that. Alcoholism was out of control, and they didn't have the resources that we have now to to help people, and it was the root of a lot of these issues. Animal abuse, that was something that was seen as entertainment publicly. Same thing with executions. It was a bad, bad society in just that time, and so Wilberforce decided that he wanted to make being good fashionable one of the things he did that stuck out for a lot of people, it's very countercultural, is he actually spent time with his family on Sundays and played with his kids in the yard. It was not typical of men to do that at that time. And so bit by bit, he and others worked to change things. But the biggest thing was the slave trade. So he worked with others to abolish that and have that as an agenda in Parliament. So in 1807, uh, the slave trade was formally abolished, at least legally. Well, after that happened, they realized we might have abolished the trade part of it, but we need to make it illegal and abolish slavery altogether. So he continued to keep working along that path. In fact, John Wesley, who was a founder of what we know now is the Methodist Church, Uh, he was Anglican up until his death and just started this movement. In fact, Methodists, if you were called a Methodist, they were making fun of you because you were uh, so methodical in in your social justice and service, Uh, you're you're getting together to read Scripture and to pray, and and people actually made fun of them for being, being Methodist. And John Wesley, six days before his death, the last letter he ever wrote was to William Wilberforce. This was in 1791. And in Wesley's letter, he encouraged him to keep up the fight to abolish slavery. And so in 1833, three days before his death, William Wilberforce heard some news on his deathbed. It was the last day that he was conscious, actually. Someone brought him the news that Parliament had abolished slavery, the last day he was conscious on this earth. And it wasn't just for them there, it began to spread, even to here, eventually. And and the more I think about this man, who most of us never heard of, I wonder what he heard at the dinner table when he was 10 years old as his aunt and uncle talked. and What did he hear when the preachers came over in the parlor and preached maybe from Genesis where it says that we're made in the image of God and that everyone has value? Do you think that seed was planted and the rest of his life it was growing without him even realizing it? Just, who knows? But that's how the kingdom of God works, at least according to Jesus. You can't even see it. And then you look up one day and you're like, look what God did through me. Look what God did through you. Look what God did through us. It's an amazing thing. So what about you? Do you see God as just this name that we come in and vaguely worship occasionally? And, or do you really believe that God became one of us in Jesus Christ and that through His Spirit He can live in us and through us and call us to amazing things and even difficult things? But what is it for you? And are you willing, like Wilberforce, if God calls you to do something extremely difficult and maybe it's, maybe it's counter to the culture, are you willing to say yes and stick with it? You know, I'm walking around our campus. We have some acorns here. Have you, have you ever noticed the acorns? A lot of acorns. And we have some trees. Have you noticed the trees here? If you're new, have you seen any of the trees? So take these great oak trees. From which do they grow? One acorn. Isn't that amazing to think about as we walk out of here today to look at these trees and to think it started something about like that? If God can do that for an oak tree, what do you think He can do for you? Think about that a second in our sanctuary there's a baptistry baptismal font and it's stone and if you go in there take a look at it i've never noticed this till this last week somebody pointed it out to me i would never even seen it but do you know there's an acorn a symbol of an acorn in the stone of the baptismal font and i love that because it represents especially in baptism this seed that's planted, and that this life that can become. So we're in Bible study Thursday morning. We're talking about all this, and I mentioned the baptismal font with the acorn, and one of the members of the class named Steve hadn't said a word the whole time. And so he says something at the end, not a word the whole class until the last part we're talking about the acorn. And he said, you know, there's a mustard seed there too, You just can't see it. I said, really? And he kind of looked at me like, no, no, not really. But then I was like, he might have said the most profound thing all day. There's a mustard seed in there too. You just can't see it. Let's pray. God, you created us for a purpose. Help us to see our lives not as just one day to the next at work and family issues and just muddling through, but that your grace has inhabited our lives and that we can be instruments of this grace for others as we become more of what you created us to be in the first place. And we're especially thankful today that you do this sometimes and oftentimes without our knowledge And you still provide the results. So we thank you today for mustard seeds, for yeast, and for the little acorns that come our way. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks
0: for tuning in to this week's Sermon Series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org. Or find us on social media at F-U-M-C-R-R.